0: This Dharma talk was given on a silent meditation retreat at Gaia House in Devon, UK. You can find us on the web at www.gaiahouse.co.uk. These teachings are offered freely for the benefit of all. If you would like to support Gaia House by making a donation towards the administrative costs of making these talks available, please go to the Gaia House website. To donate to Dharma Seed for hosting these talks online or to donate to an individual teacher, please go to the Dharma Seed website. Your generosity supports the teachers and organizations to continue to make these Dharma offerings freely available. Thank you. Good morning. (coughs) Hope you're finding (coughs) what you need to stay uh, warm enough uh, as the wind blows. Uh, Please let us know if not. Mm. Conscious that uh, on a a relatively short retreat like this, the, it can feel like there's a lot coming from the front, a lot of teachings being given. So really, uh, just encouragement, as I said last night, just to pick up and play with what feels helpful and relevant, and to let go of the rest. <laughs> you know, it it is all being recorded, if. You know, so you don't have to remember it all. (laughs) And you know, midst the the winds that blow, uh, mindfulness of the body remains the foundation. You know, the, the Buddha was really clear that this uh, practice of mindfulness of the body is um, protective in the midst of the winds that blow. Uh, he He uses images of of Earth and rock, the sense of like the mindfulness of the body having this kind of mountain stability you know amidst the winds that blow he he, he also used the image of filling the body with mindful presence as like filling a jug with water, and uh, when the jug is full. Uh, Mara can't put anything else in. Mara being the personification of the factors of mind that obstruct and distract, uh, preoccupy. You could even just play with that little image right now as you sit here, just the kind of body filled with awareness like a jug filled with water. Generally, the the Buddha's images are meditation invitations. So you could just play with that (laughs) protective, supportive, this sustaining connection with anchors during all the activities of the day the buddha encouraged this this mindfulness of the body in all four postures as he put it of of sitting standing walking lying down we could add a fifth posture of in-betweening as we're moving from one posture to another what is it to sustain Mindfulness of the body as we're in-betweening. In all activities of the day. (coughs) And we need to be a little bit flexible with our sense of anchors because it may be that the breath is too subtle an anchor when you're doing your yogi job as a kind of something that you sustain. It may be that you have some connection with it but often the soles of the feet people find very helpful midst the activities of the day as an anchor, as a support. Protective, supportive. Mm. And as we're kind of pointing to last evening with the theme of the elements, the Buddha also really encourages this sense of letting the body, as he puts it, be body. He says, contemplate the body as body. Which may seem like a slightly strange or cryptic phrase, but if we think, how do we normally relate to body? Don't, don't we tend to Regard the body as moi, as Miss Piggy puts it, that sense of meanness and minus soaks the body so often, doesn't it? You know, and the Buddha's really inviting this sense of okay, contemplate the body as body, just as body, not as me or mine, just body bodying. Allowing the body to be this interplay of elements or this interplay of sensations and perceptions. And as we've been saying, the the recognition of the ever-changing nature of the body. This is... Bless you. This, This is so helpful to, to keep acknowledging body, bodily experiences changing. The Buddha uses this phrase arising and passing away. It's a really key phrase in his teaching to notice the arising and the passing away within body moment by moment. That sense that when we turn our our looking, this sense of looking deeply, when we investigate the experience of body, we find something that is constantly changing. And, And just to keep allowing the body to be a verb rather than a noun, to keep allowing it to be process rather than solid, to have this air element, energetic, kind of changing nature. You know. So helpful. And helpful in that it supports the, the ungrasping of body you know the the degree to which I'm identified the but bo- with the body as me or mine is it, there's a kind of grasping isn't there that there's a kind of clinging to it, and actually just allowing body to be body is, a, is an ungrasping, a letting go a letting it be you know? and we can uh, sense how uh, helpfulness can be in relation to the experience that we call pain or discomfort because because the the natural reaction the kind of instinctual reaction of the organism when there 's discomfort is to contract around it isn 't it to kind of brace against it to want to kind of push it away or fixate on it in a certain way. This is, this is our kind of survival psychology working as it's meant to, you know, to, to identify there's something wrong and need to deal with it. So often the body contracts and the mind becomes preoccupied with the pain. The stories about the pain, the beliefs about the pain, the history of the pain. The imagined future of the pain, you know, and you know not to not just to kind of acknowledge uh, that we may want to try to use mindfulness to fix the pain, <laughs> and and actually, kind of pain deserves. Uh, respect (laughs) and it's an opportunity to investigate to bring this kind of experiential investigation as Martine calls it to the the experience that we're calling pain to sense how can this be held with with kindness and compassion in a way that doesn't intensify it or in a way that uh, soothes it or makes it more bearable in some way, makes it more possible to hold it. And this sense that we've spoken about of sensing where is not in pain? Where is feeling okay? It's you know. so important to find the grounds that are outside discomfort, whether that's physical or emotional. So feet, seat, hands sometimes can be very helpful grounds if those are parts of the body that are not in pain. Maybe one of the feet is in pain, the other one maybe that's okay. The sole of the foot on the ground can be with can rest into, can make some kind of base in all the parts of the body that feel okay enough and that can support a relating to the pain and discomfort rather than a relating from it. So there's a ground in the feet or the seat and from there I may practice, bless you, visiting the, the pain rather than just contracting into it. And this sense of, of leaning into where feels steadying, where feels grounding, it, it really can support a bit of ungrasping, the releasing of, of grasping. That sense of, okay, with, this, with enough ground I can practice tolerating and breathing with, the discomfort, you know, allowing it to be here rather than just kind of going into the midst of it and getting tired getting exhausted and of course pain, discomfort comes in a very you know wide spectrum of intensity and uh, that's, that offers an opportunity just to, to pra- practice you know even if it's just kind of a bit mild we can say well, okay well let's let's use this as an opportunity to to just experiment how can this be held in a helpful way we can see that that the mind so readily adds stories beliefs pasts futures to the moment by moment experience that we call discomfort or pain and to be interested, does that help? <laughs> does that help well generally not you know generally it 'll make it feel or seem more solid you know and it 'll burden it with a with a sense of of history and prognosis you know and can I in a th- practice just coming closer to it as or or relating to it as sensations. So even the label pain may be enough to make it more intense. So this sense of, can I relate to this energetically rather than... and, uh, and as a verb rather than as a noun, as a changing process rather than something fixed. We've spoken quite a bit about keeping a wide awareness. And we can see that around pleasure and pain, the the heart, mind and body tend to contract. And that's part of what pumps up the unpleasantness of it. So keeping a sense of wide, spacious awareness that includes ground, includes the anchors, includes hearing. Listening, space, silence. Just notice that widening the awareness will tend to diminish the intensity of what's in it. Will tend even to some extent to soften it. All of this to be played with, to be experimented with. and we can see that y- you know the the fireiness of discomfort uh, often y- you know it's so easy just to react with the kind of fieriness of aversion to it you know and what is it to to really practice kindness and compassion, to practice a sense of care, tenderness, taking care of and breathing with, rather than bracing against. Relaxing around. Practicing allowing, allowing change. Christina Feldman has this phrase about practicing peaceful coexistence with the physical and emotional pains and discomforts of of our life as a practice. (coughs) And we can see also how uh, discomfort can be a a springboard that kinda of launches the the hindrance factors. Wanted just to name those because they are so much part of any retreat as they are of our daily lives. This very helpful list that the Buddha identifies of the five uh, veiling, obscuring factors of mind that show up, in relation to really anything we undertake. So, the the, the veiling factor of craving, of wanting, the veiling factor of aversion, not wanting. I should say that, that these all come in many different flavors, yeah. So, Wanting, not wanting, you know, not wanting can show up as boredom, impatience, irritability, frustration, kind of critical judging. Sleepiness and kind of fog, the lethargy, the kind of low energy. There's one of these. Restlessness and worry, kind of antsy, agitated quality. And doubt, which, which can be self-doubt, where the mind's saying, you know, I can't do this, this is too difficult, I'm not up to it haven't got what it takes, everybody else is around me sitting quietly becoming a Buddha and I'm here struggling to find a breath, you know. Self-doubt or path-doubt, which can be, you know, this, this mindfulness thing, it, it's not what it's cracked up to be, you know, I'm not sure that it's, it's right, I should have done the Zumba course this week instead, you know. Uh, And just to notice how these hindrances they don't they don't ever come alone, they come in combination almost always, you know, so that there's a there's a painful knee that leads to restlessness and to fantasies of you know the end of the retreat or getting on holiday and that kind of thing, and then judging for having those fantasies and then the thinking that uh should try something else and then just falling asleep you know it's very easy to <laughs> just be governed by these you know and uh, there's something so reassuring in a certain way that this list which is 2500 years old you know these are not personal <laughs> these are winds that blow <laughs> These are factors that arise in all heart body heart minds, you know, and we can see that they're not just meditative ob- obstructions don't these kind of color our struggles in our relationships of all kinds with our work, with anything that we undertake you know so really to get to know the hindrance factors and to experience that way in which when they're unconscious, when we're being governed by them, they are obstructions or obscurations. When we bring mindfulness to them, they become the path in that moment. They become the Curriculum for our investigation, for our looking deeply, for our finding skillful relationship with. Do, do we sense that it's it's really key and in a sense promising uh, possibility? Because we can so often feel oh, I'm just kind of filled with the hindrance factor. Well, what happens if I get interested in that? What happens if I bring an experiential investigation to the experience of sleepiness, or restlessness, or, or doubt? You know, or the fear that's present in doubt? You know. To get interested, to get interested. You know. The Buddha really encouraged with these hindrance factors getting to know how they work. So seeing, ah, oh, is this present? Is, is restlessness present? Is it absent? Getting to know what makes it more likely that it's going to arise? What helps to remove it or weaken it or kind of lessen its intensity? And what helps to prevent it from arising? So really, to have that sense, the hindrances are not a mistake. they're curriculum. They are path, they are practice. <laughs> you know It's so easy to think my meditation will begin when I get rid of all the hindrances. Well, good luck, you know <clears throat> Can I practice uh, Bringing mindful awareness to them, and some of you will know the the uh, acronym RAIN, which uh, teachers like Michelle Macdonald and Tara Brach uh, speak of, of: recognize, allow, investigate with kindness, and not self, non-identification. Some of us uh, feel it's helpful to add a G, so you get the the whole meal version of grain so with grounding as the first step because that sense of finding a ground that's outside the hindrance pattern okay sit bones not bored the feet are not aversive yeah. the hands are not doubting ah this is helpful to know you know outside the kind of vortex of of the, the hindrance energy, and from that sense of ground, can then relate to it and say, "Okay, let's really recognise what's happening here. What's happening? Ah, oh, there's boredom. Ah, oh, can I really recognise that this is boredom? Boredom's like this, because." It's when it's unconscious that it takes us for a ride. It's when anxiety or boredom are unconscious and we're seeing from that that mental state that we get taken for a ride. So just to say, oh, this is anxiety, or this is frustration, or this is fogginess, restlessness. They gain so much of their power by being unconscious, these hindrances. Because when they're unconscious, they direct our attention to objects. So, you know, I, there's, there's irritation, and I, the, I see the problem as being the schedule, <laughs> you know, or I see the problem as being the snoring, <laughs> or I see the problem as being the weather, you know. Uh, and actually, if I come back and recognize, oh, this is irritability, this is irritation. Oh, that's, that's workable with. You know, I can work with the mental state that's here. You know? So really to recognize and then to, to allow, to practice allowing it to be here. Allowing it to be here. Of course, uh, if, if it's overwhelming, then the G reminds us, okay, come back to the ground, come back to the the places that are not overwhelming or overwhelmed. But allowing and breathing with the aversion that's here or the, the longing that's here, the sadness that's here. Right now it's like this. Can I have a sense of these as waves that are waving through? Just allowing that. investigating with kindness, the eye. what feeds it and what fasts it, what, what makes it more intense, what makes it less intense, can I play with that, can I explore that, is there a story that I'm believing here that's giving it life, What happens if I let go of the story, practice being with just the sensations of this in the body, in the heart? What happens if I remember kindness? Or I I often find myself using a phrase from Martine. She recommends asking the question, hmm, I wonder how long this will last, I wonder how long this will last, <laughs> so we we get to, to notice the sense of change, feels so solid in the midst of it, turns out that it can change in a moment, you know. The N. non-identification, not self, not me, not mine, just weather, just winds blowing through. Mm. That capacity to see these hindrance factors as not personal. <laughs> They're just weather. Yeah. Just weather and, and they are weather and also opportunity to practice waking up to them and relating to them with more awareness and kindness, (coughs) sense of resource. So plenty to to practice with uh, today I said at the start just picking up anything that's helpful letting go of the rest hmm. should we stand and have a stretch So finding the posture that feels most supportive, grounding in this moment. You may wish to invoke a sense of the earth element in the body in the contact with the floor and with whatever you're sitting on. Appreciating whatever sense of solidity, stability, weight is present. Appreciating the support of whatever anchor or anchors feel most helpful in this moment. Can there be a sense that, even if the primary anchor is the breathing, there's a sense of holding the whole body in awareness, soaking the whole body in friendly presence. As the Buddha puts it, breathing in, sensitive to the entire body, breathing out, sensitive to the entire body, breathing in, calming the bodily formation. Breathing out, calming the bodily formation. You may like in the sitting just to practice being present for the sense of the anchor. Sensing, appreciating, feeling the resourcing quality of that. Or it may be that there's one or more of the elements that feel available and interesting to invoke in your embodied experience. And just playing with that, letting them bring balance and steadiness, nourishment and resource. Maybe that there's physical discomfort, physical or emotional discomfort or pain, and practicing with that or investigating. Using tools of grain, with any hindrance patterns that feel strong, present in this moment. Choosing a way of practicing, a theme for practice that feels most supportive at this time.